Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. Hey everybody, David here, and welcome to the ASOG Podcast. In this episode recorded live at the Tools Conference, Lucas discusses ADOS and how automotive professionals should be dealing with emerging technologies with Kip Nush, product sales specialist at Advance Auto Parts. Joining him is overall swell guy and friend of the podcast, Tom Shear, owner of Shear's Sales and Service in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Before we get into it, do us a quick favor and head on over to youtube.com and type in ASOG. Once you see our channel, take a look around, and if you like what you see, a sub would be fantastic. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast listening app, make sure that you have a set to automatically download the latest episode. And now, here we go. Okay, so we're going to click that button over there. We're going to click that button right there. All right, so we're live. Back right. with Tom Shear. Kip, you got to say last name, bro. I can't say it. Kip Nush. Nush. All right, I'm going to be able to get that down pat. I'm a southern boy. I can get this right eventually. I believe in you. Um, so my question is, you know, we're right here at the end of the tools event. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I had a really cool conversation with Tom just a little bit earlier. Talking about ADOS, right? right. Talking about kind of where we go from here. And so um, a while back, um, I had uh, George Lesniak on the show. Excellent. Right? One smart fella right there. Yeah. I mean, what he's doing. George is a really smart fella. <laughs> and so we, we were talking, and we were talking about things like static calibration versus dynamic calibration. Right on. And we're talking about the fact that there's so much going on um, in the shop owner groups especially that, Folks are saying, yeah, yeah, but it's going to self-calibrate soon. We're not going to be – we don't need ADOS calibration. We don't need to do this stuff now because it's going to self-calibrate. And George said, that's not true. Like, that's not ever – I don't see – I agree with George. I don't see it going that way. Right. And, I, I, you know, from what we heard from the manufacturers at that event, 
they're not even thinking about it. Like they're going the opposite direction in a lot of ways. Tell us why that is. My feeling is we're going to need a professional, a professional to interrupt that process. You know, a customer has a scenario where maybe they had a front end collision, right? Minor, superficial almost, right? But there's been a compromise of that sensor, right? Maybe the car doesn't pick it up right away. We need a professional to interrupt that system and say, hey, this car should be calibrated, or maybe it shouldn't. Right. We got to repair this before we do that, or verify, no, that sensor's in its right place. We might not need to fix the bumper if the sensor hasn't been impacted. But that this is what we're all working through right now. And right. I, I just don't see it. I mean, there's, well, why make it automatic? Why make it fully adaptive? Right. It just doesn't make sense to me. Exactly. Well, and I mean, there, there's definitely challenges, especially when it comes down to, to some of the liability issues. And that's what you said, your guys, Tom, you know, your guys were saying that, that, Hey, we're worried about the liability of this. Right. We're worried about doing this and, and having liability consequences. And let's be real. You know, what we've been saying on the podcast all along is not doing it is more of a liability than doing it. Sure. Right. And I mean, it, just like all the other technology, it is a little, it can be a little scary going into it. Right. Um, and so, when we start making this transition, when we start talking about doing this, Kip, what's the number one thing a shop owner needs to know? Am I going to be able to do it the right way before I do this? Yeah. Do I bring in a professional who does this? Do I sublet it to somebody who knows? And where do I go for training so I can do it the right way? Right. Who are those sources? Right. It's probably where they should start thinking. Yeah, I agree. And and now I heard you today talking about the systems you really like. What systems do you like? I mean, what what is your Well, for me, this is a ongoing conversation, right? Right. Looking at all the aftermarket systems, mm-hmm. I have them all available. You know, we got to look at pedigree, right? You look at some of the great companies out there like Opus. And their tech service department, their remote programming service, you can trust them. Right. Are they perfect? No, none of us are. We don't know what right. they're doing. Right. right. And, and then the next piece is you got to look at coverage. Right. You know, if there are roughly 60 known targets and, I, and that customer, you know, next to me is going to spend twenty five, thirty five, forty thousand dollars $40,000, what's he getting for that money? Like, yeah. clearly. And the manufacturers do their best, but there's, there's a language that gets lost in the coverage. It's like, oh, we do, we do almost everything. Right. For me, I want to make sure my customers get the right information. Yeah. And I would hate for somebody to be misled or even if it was honest that, no, you can't do that one. Oh, oh, you can't do that one either. And I I don't want to be on the receiving end of that. Right. And I want to make sure that they spend their money wisely. So I look at the Autel system. And this is definitely not an Autel plug. And I think anybody who knows me knows I'm an Autel fanboy. Yeah. Man, I love my Autel stuff. You know, they have the iCar approval. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they have the factory equipment for, you know, Jeep, Dodge, Chrysler, Fiat, Stellantis. Okay. That's a nice feather in their cap. Yeah, it you really know, is. You know, for, not for nothing. But to be honest, I think every aftermarket system is a better uniform process than the OE way of doing it. Now, a lot of times you're going to want to – not a lot of times. There's times you're going to want to use the factory equipment to put the vehicle into calibration mode. Right. But – you know, the targets are pretty pretty good on the aftermarket systems, and they're okay. having great success rates, and those safety systems are operating as designed, provided 
the professional interrupted the process and made sure that car was repaired as designed before the caliber. Lucas and I have been telling you about Parts Tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your Parts Tech account, go to My Shop, and click on the Rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which, by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. Process. Right. So I've got a question for Tom that I'm probably going to forget if I ask this question, but I'm going to ask this question. You said the process, right? You've got a process. Yeah. What, what is the process? Share with us your process. You know, when you're talking about interrupt the process, tell us what you mean by that. And, and that's probably David texting me because he's over here sending me a message. Um, let's see. Yep. That's him. Tell David um, we all said hi. <laughs> uh, golly, he just can't for the life of him. Um, so he's, he's somewhere else critiquing what I'm doing. Right. Mm. Yes, David, we know we have a buzz. It's because somebody took their equipment out of the studio setup. And when they did, when they did that, they rerouted all the wires next to the power plugs. It's okay. I think it'll be fine. Um, <laughs> so uh, long story short, you're saying interrupt the process. Give me an idea of what this process looks like in your head. We, we, is it we've had a collision? Is it that the car's broken? It's been worked on? What is the process? Well, I think starts with education. Being able to identify which vehicles have these systems. Okay. Now, you can walk around the exterior of the vehicle, and we look for those visual indicators. You know, let's look at the front end of the car. Are okay. there parking sensors? That's pretty rudimentary, right? But let's look at the radar. Does okay. that have a smooth emblem? Then there's a radar behind that. Windshield camera. Um, you know, walk around, look for blind spot detection monitors. Okay. And if we start to see these systems, like just a general walk around, you know, I talk to technicians and shop owners and I say, listen, one of the things we did in Pennsylvania is we walk by every car and we're trained to look at the inspection stickers. Right. That makes sense. At this part of my career, I'm looking to see which cars have ADAS as I walk to the park. Yeah. Around. Now, if I see something, I see a car has ADAS and then I see some physical damage, I'm triggered. What I do about it, well, it depends on the scenario. Another way is when you're driving a car in as a technician, look at the buttons. You know, are there buttons to turn lane departure off? Are there buttons to turn, you know, well, adaptive cruise is going to be automatic, cross traffic alert, whatever it may be, we can look into it. But I think on every vehicle, we need a full system scan. Okay. You know, it's always, nobody's going to argue that using the OE equipment isn't the best. It is. 
Right. Does it make great financial sense? Well, I don't know if I agree with that. So I think, right. you know, getting a capable scan tool that can check every system and some of the scan tools now, like the Autel lets you know which module is an ADAS module. Yeah. So that's see, pretty slick. So if you see a fault code next to an ADAS module, again, you're triggered to think twice. I mean, if you ask any technician is, you know, adaptive front headlight system and ADAS module, if they think about it, of course, they're going to say yes in most cases. Right. But when we're just looking at a full list of modules, we get tunnel vision sometimes. Exactly. I do anyway. Yeah. You know? So it's great that the tools tell us. So I think the full system scan along with a visual walk around, you can really tell a lot about the scenario. Now, once you put it up in the air, again, you know, you're looking at some of the chassis pieces. And if you got to change the ride height, according to OEA service information, we're going to have to calibrate that vehicle. Yeah. And I'm, you know, not pointing to one brand or another, but it's a, it's a process. You know, I just, I walk around and I evaluate, say, Hey, when this car goes back out on the road, is it going to be as safe as possible? Yeah. Because we as professionals are the ones that have direct knowledge that these systems yeah. exist and we should know what it takes to repair them. Yep. That's a, that's a really valid point. It's something we talked about over lunch. We have a professional obligation. Yeah. Right. We're not just talking about, you know, and, and it, it could be your wife that, that that car's passing. It could be, um, and there's Scott Palava again. Um, it, it could be any one of your family members passing that automobile. Yeah. Right. And that's a, to me, that's a big deal. I think that's really important to think about as a shop owner, as a technician, as a service advisor. And, and you know, we've always said you're putting your good housekeeping seal of approval on that automobile that it's safe. And as a professional, it's our responsibility to advise the client, is it safe, right? It doesn't matter if that's what they want to hear or not. You don't go to the doctor and he notices something that looks like cancer on your neck and expect him not to tell you about it. That's his responsibility. He's a professional. That's what he does. That's right. right. So I think that's such a big deal. Tom, you know, you've, you've mentioned buy-in. You've mentioned that, that and, and it was really fascinating to me because something that you said to me was, is I don't want to do this because it's going to be wasted money if I don't have buy-in. And I right. agree with you. What, what, is, what is it that we're going to do to achieve buy-in, and how is it that, that we can – is it through a system in the shop? Is it through a process in the shop? Is it through education? How do we get buy-in from a technician in something like this? Well, so it's going to start with me. I need to take the time and express my my true feelings and concern as right. far as taking this step into this, you know, into the ADAS uh, spectrum. But also, we're going to get uh, our buddy Kip on up here, and uh, yeah. he's going to spend some time educating our technicians on process why the what why the how and we're all going to get on the same page and uh, make them understand how important this is right to be doing this exactly what a disservice we are doing to our clients for not offering and doing this yeah because i'm sure that we are I'm sure there's cars going out the door right now that should have this and it's not, you know, through right. our alignments and, you know, everything else. Exactly. So, so David's actually over here asking questions. What do we mean when we say buy-in from your perspective? Because that, that was kind of the verbiage you used with me. When you say buy-in, what are they saying? What is the feedback you're getting from those texts? Well, so, you know, what I'm getting from them is 
I don't know that we should be doing this. I think we should be sending it out to somebody else. Um, you know, it's, I'm worried about the liability. What kind of liability does that put on me as a technician? Okay. And, you know, if I were to think deeper about this and get more in depth when, when we had that conversation is the question should have been, what kind of liability are you putting on yourself for not doing this? Yeah. That's a big, you know, that's a big it's, deal. It's not just me as a, you know, it's, they're worried about themselves as a technician. You know, obviously I'm worried about myself as a company and, and my, my technician and my team. Yeah. So it's full circle there. Well, and, and, you know, I think that's something that a lot of technicians never think about is that they are the professional, right? And, and if, if something happens in a shop, right, the same thing can happen in a doctor's office. That doctor is the, the one licensed. That doctor is the one working on you. And if, if there's malpractice, Boys, it starts with him. You know what I'm saying? Right, <laughs> they, right. You know, and 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 we talk about uh, extreme ownership, right? And and your team. It all starts at the head, right? And it all starts with that doctor, of course. But every other person down through that line, if they're not saying, "Hey, I'm a professional automotive technician, and I believe we need to be doing this. I know we need to do this to this car." Gosh, I mean, they probably are opening themselves to some liability, aren't they, Kip? I mean, I think that goes back to the thing I said earlier. We we have direct knowledge; these systems exist, and we we should know how to repair them, right? Because customers bring their cars to us; they depend on us to send them back out the way they're supposed to work, right? There's really, you know, and the the customer side of it also. You know, they can't dictate whether this safety system should work or not. Like, the owner of a car can't wave away the rights of the passengers of his car. He definitely right. can't wave away the rights of somebody he might hit. Right. So, knowing that these systems exist and not calibrating is just not an option. I mean, it's, yeah. it's straight I negligence. Agree. I absolutely agree. And, and, you know, I know like in uh, certain states and, and maybe there's even a federal law that says, you know, you can't take out a tire pressure monitoring system. And, and if it's working, you can't disable it. Well, I mean, that kind of goes to the same thing. Just because the owner asked you to do something. And, you know, we, we were talking about this for shop owners earlier. Like you set the process in your shop. The, the client doesn't get the opportunity to come into the shop and define the process. That's the that's the shop's responsibility. We can't allow the client to define the process because then the process breaks, right? The process is built to protect the client. It's built to give them the very best value they can get for their dollar. It's built to make sure that the vehicle is repaired properly, that it's safe, and it's reliable. That's what our processes as automotive repair shops are designed to do. So why would we break that process? Why would we stop doing our job because the client comes in and says, I can't afford to fix that. Well, I understand, but this needs to be fixed, right? I mean, you, you don't go to the, again, you don't go to the doctor and say, well, I, I just want part of the hip replacement. <laughs> I don't want to do it right. I just want. I only want the outer brake pads. Exactly. Uh, dude, I've heard that before. I have seriously heard that. I have seriously <laughs> heard that. You know, I, I don't want both rotors. I just want one rotor. You don't want your shop or your car worked on in my shop. You need to take it somewhere else. <laughs> um, so, you know, when we talk investment, right, Kip, we're talking about forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. We're talking about a ton of investment in time. We're talking about uh, a ton of resources, right? We got to use a big bay. We got to put these things in. What incentives does a shop owner have to do this? Like, wh- 
where does that, <laughs> you know, we've all heard these stories. David and I were mm-hmm. talking about it recently where a, a shop near him saying, we're calibrating it for one twenty nine ninety five, And Ouch. he's like, uh. Why? Or, well, I mean, are they calibrating <laughs> is the first question. Are they, they, you know, removing the light. Right? right, exactly. Or they're just checking the codes. Yep, not in it. Good. So I think before we talk about the dollars, mm-hmm. because in my opinion, dollars are irrelevant if there's return on investment. Yes. If I said, hey, you're going to spend $40,000 on this ADAS machine, Mr. Body Shop, where you're doing 300 cars a month, and half of those are going to need calibrations, that's mm-hmm. 100, 150 cars, at roughly 300, 350 calibration, that machine pays for itself in one month. Right. A lot of us go out and we buy a $60,000 line machine and we charge 129 for an alignment if, we, if we're getting what we want, right? Right. And then we make no qualms about making that investment. Yeah. And it's twice as much money, and you're charging a third for the service. Yeah. Eight ass is half as much, and you're charging three times as much, set a different way. Right. If we identify the opportunity, perhaps doing a full system report on every vehicle, we'll start to open our eyes about how much work is really out there. If we go to right. training, we're going to hear about – the different things we do to cars and when a calibration is required, we, the education is almost not even t- training. It's just educating yourself. Right. I find a lot of people want to second guess the OE process. It's like, well, right. do you, if you believe everything the engineers say, you know, do, you know, that, that's what has this industry going this direction. No, I trust the engineers. I mean, they're right. people, they make mistakes, but you know, we start with OE service information. That, mm-hmm. that's our trust point for me. So I see, I know many customers got a full return on an investment in two months. Wow. And I got references if uh, you'd like me to share them because I think people need to see it's, wow, I could not only send these cars out as designed and safe, right? I could actually put food on my table in a different way with a whole new revenue stream. Right. And all it takes is partnership. It takes a village. I mean, this is a big conversation with some of the best people in the industry we need to get more people in the conversations instead yeah. of saying, hey, I don't want to hear it. Exactly. Now, are you seeing the, the majority of your clients are body shops? Or are they? I think the mechanical shops are the ones who see the business opportunity. Okay. Some body shops, I see this in the glass industry. Glass guys don't, for the most part, don't have a scan tool background whatsoever. Right. And they're putting so many windshields and they see so much of this. They were just brazen enough to just go buy it from their glass supplier. Wow. I don't want to buy an ADAS machine from the guy who sells me glass. He's the guy visiting them every week. I need yeah. to do this so bad. I'm just going to make a $15,000 investment in the glass package and I'm going to get it done. And it was a, it was like do or die for them. Right. The body shops, they, they look at, I think their monthly bills. If they're putting, if they're doing a hundred calibrations a month, that number is in their face and they're like, if I just give it, give it a try and it works out half the time, I'll right. make so much money. But the mechanical guys are the ones who, in my opinion, are probably the most capable. Yeah. I mean, they have a scan tool background. They have the mechanical background. They get it. Right. So, I mean, me doing body work is an art form. It really is. It I, really is. I can't even wash my car the right way. <laughs> I have a lot of respect, but I think it's a new merger of the the entities inside the 
the automotive industry where they really have to work together. Right. Well, you know, one of the things uh, Richard Falco says, 28% of cars leaving a body shop needs some sort of an uh, ADOS calibration. Only 4% are getting done. That's a scary figure. You know, I mean, that's, uh, boys, that's tough to listen to, you know, Uh, especially knowing that, that, you know, that might be your wife. And, And if, you know, one of the big arguments we always hear is, some of these systems aren't self-diagnosing. Some of these systems aren't going to report. They're not going to have a warning light. They're not going to say something's wrong. Is that still the case? Yeah, you may not get an indicator in your dashboard that's not working as designed. On some right. systems, they can't tell. Until it slams into the car in front Until of Until it. it doesn't work. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, you know, I've never been one to try and test uh, those safety systems out. I, uh, I typically don't try and slam into the car in front of me. So, I, you know. I think it's one of our favorite things as we develop this segment. You know, I rent a car from maybe Enterprise. Shouldn't say that probably. (laughs) But I'll calibrate it right to the edge of the, you know, the threshold. Like if I get a Hyundai and I'm doing a late departure warning camera, I'll get it right to the edge of the spec, but inside. And I'll see how that car performs going down the road. Now, naturally, during my demonstration, when I get to my destination, I'll get that things really dialed in and I'll return the car safely. But just to see how these systems respond, you know, right? You know, Richard Falco, you know, he's he's you know one of the big trainers out there for ADAS, and we we need to know, we need to yeah. test these things, and we need to put them back right, you and know, exactly, and understand the response, yeah. understand what that car is going to do, and that's one of the I think that's one of the things that's creating a lot of fear around this is is there's there's a couple different camps. One of the camps is bury your head in the sand and pretend it's not happening. Now, Tom will tell you, shop owners, we're pretty good at that. I mean, we've been doing that for years. Um, hey, <laughs> Falco wants to know if that was a fat joke. <laughs> no, it's an old joke. Uh, they, they, hey, he is getting up there. I, I, you know, when I was young in this uh, industry, he was, I mean, he was already up there in years. He's what, 65 at least now, something like that? Uh, he hides it well. <laughs> so do we think this um, this whole ADAS thing is going to bring up a whole new industry? Yeah, yeah, possibly. For us? Um, I don't think it's new. It's just part of it. Yeah. I, I mean, here here's the thing is we're talking about when we came in, one of the things we started talking about is body shops. And he says, ouch, I'm leaving now. Um, uh, one of the big things that we've talked about here and there is we've talked a lot about body shops and that body shops aren't necessarily um, aren't necessarily charging appropriately. And they're not really given the opportunity to charge appropriately. Right. It's been a challenge. Yeah. Uh, so where do we see this going? If that is in fact the case, right. They, they're being beat up by these insurance companies. The insurance companies are not even willing to move on this. Are, are insurance companies paying for calibration now? Or are they, are they paying what's being asked of them? I think insurance companies don't mind paying. Okay. As long as they're getting the documentation and the proof that this safety system is going to work as designed. Right. The intention is that person's going to, be in less accidents. Exactly. Reduce their overall investment. Right. So why why wouldn't they? You know, I think there's been some, you know, growing pains with what shops have been charging and not showing proof that they actually did it right. Right. Show your work. I almost don't blame the insurance companies in that regard. And I think with the amount of equipment out there that does document it, I think right. the insurance companies have to pay 
an appropriate rate. I think aftermarket businesses should be charging at least what the OE is charging. Right. You know, independent shops, they're doing it just as good in most cases when they are trained in doing it. Right. You know, and there's a, there's a big gap in between those who are winging it and not doing it and those who are doing it right, you know. Right. So um, I think it's a good opportunity. I mean, this is – it's a turnkey business, you yeah. know. There's 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 independent calibration centers out there who are aimed at doing it the best they can in a lot of cases. And, you know, for 40000 plus a building, you got a turnkey business. It's right. A, as I get older, I want to bend over less. <laughs> no, you know, right? I, uh, you know, I, I know what would happen if I lost my job in advance. I'd go out and buy an ADAS machine and and start doing calibration. Start doing so, calibrations. Yeah. One of the questions I have about that is, is you know, a we're seeing a lot of folks go out and do this as a mobile business. There's been a lot of discussion within ASOG alone. Yeah. Is that you know, there, there's a guy that comes around with a little like enclosed trailer and he comes around, and he comes up and he's like, are you doing calibrations? We'll do them for you. We do them right here on site in this trailer. And I'm looking at the, the numbers and I'm saying that trailer's not that big, right? Like there's no way you, you can barely fit the car in the trailer. How are you? Are you, do, you doing blind spot in that trailer? Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So A, is it possible to do these mobile? In other words, we, we've heard guys say, no, you can do them outside. It's not that big of a deal. What What are your thoughts on that? Well, the calibration process, in my opinion, starts with the, integ- the integrity of the technician, right? Okay. They have to pause and say, am I going to follow the OE service information or am I going to shortcut it? Yeah. And, or do I have what it takes to shortcut it and make sure it's done right? That's a, that's, that's a hard thing to determine. If it says do it indoors or if it says has even lighting, if it says to make sure there's no obstructions, at what point do they stop doing that and do it their way? And right. maybe the light goes out and maybe their test drive sort of gets them a, a good idea that the system's working as designed. But then do they get an accident? It's too late. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't second guess the process of a mobile technician unless I was standing there. I mean, okay. I think that's a better question for a guy like Mike Reynolds, right? Maybe okay. Keith Perkins who are super in tune to how the process is done correctly and what's possible out there. Yeah, you could do it mobile a lot of times. Um, customers ask me, well, if I do it mobile, you know, are all shops going to, you know, am I going to be able to do it everywhere? I'm like, no. I was like, you're going to have to find those shops. Right. That are good customers per se. This guy's down here at the end of the table listening to, yes, David, that is what you hear down here. Scott Palava's over here interrupting as usual. (laughs) Um, man, he's oblivious. Um, (laughs) um, well, so you mentioned that that uh, you mentioned that if a shop could charge, um, <laughs> David, um, if a shop could charge, um, what a dealer is charging? What are dealers charging? Well, it depends. You know, you're doing an all systems calibration on a Volkswagen Audi. That's we've heard numbers fourteen. I've seen invoices fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars. Wow. I've heard statics as low as one hundred and fifty from a dealer. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. It is. Uh, Dynamics one hundred fifty. That's I can understand that when you're right. on a GM or something. But you know, I, I I think the average I think we all agree on is kind of three fifty to four hundred, maybe even four fifty, depending what market you're in. 
Okay. Then that's for single calibrations. David, it's over here calling BS. David, who was it that you were saying was doing them really cheap? We'll see if we can get him to comment. All right. Um, he, he's not very reliable when you need him to be reliable. Uh, he said they're charging two seventy five for an Audi here in North or in uh, Kansas City. Well, all systems calibrations versus just like what system I would ask is probably for two seventy five. Are they doing right. a whole vehicle for two seventy five? He says Honda's one seventy five and Ford is less. Is it dynamic Ford or static Ford? He doesn't know that. Come on now, <laughs> he barely knows his name. We, typically, Dynam- I have to like tag him and post. Dynamics so. are pretty. I mean, in my opinion, if the, the vehicle's correct, um, it's probably it's a pretty easy process. So, yeah, that that sounds appropriate. Uh, some you can lay out those AVM mats pretty quick if you have a system and okay. get it accurate, and could be. But yeah, I mean, don't take my word for it. Go to a body shop. Look at their invoices. That's where I get my information from. What is what are the invoices I'm seeing that these body shops are dealing with? That's causing them to buy this buy this equipment. Right. Yeah. So um, let me ask you this, and and maybe this is really what Tom's going through right now. You know, he's trying to get the buy in from his his team. He's trying to make um, a decision on where he's going from here. He knows that this is something he needs to incorporate into his business. It's one of the things I'm going through right now, getting ready to build a new shop. I've got a purpose-built ADOS bay in the new shop. It's got dimmable lights over top of the, the ADOS area. Nice. It's got a engineer-leveled floor. It's got the size requirements, you know, the whole nine yards. Um, where do you go from here? What What's the next step? I mean, how do we equip the shop? How do we know the shop's equipped properly? One of the things I offer – just, I think it's important that I do a site evaluation okay. and you shouldn't just get one from me, but you should get a site evaluation. Someone actually who's done the work who could say, Hey, this is going to be a concern or this floor is not right. Or that reflection or that window, whatever the case may be, just do a site of, I start there. And the size of course is the, the big question, right? I mean, you hear so many different things, but if you're going to build a, if you're going to build an eight bay, I'm sure Lucas, you know what you're doing. Like, just go go big or go home. Absolutely. No sense in trying to jockey cars around to be creative about target and car placement. Right. I think it's important if we're going to get into this. It's like it's just an open space. You're not putting lifts or anything in. It doesn't have to be that expensive. It just has to meet the criteria. Right. So I think that's the next step. I do a site evaluation. Let them know, hey, this is how you can go out and market this business that you can do 97% of them right here. And that way he knows what to expect as a business owner. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's his first step. And then what's the next step? So walk us through the whole process. Tell us what, you know, how do we determine what tool we want to use? How do we determine, you know, technician? Do we, do you look at the technicians and go through kind of a, an abilities check? How, I mean, what, what's your, well, I would start, I'll say a lot of things. So, actually doing a calibration so let's say a car's correct right and i do demos out there looks like a dog and pony show my car's already correct so i just have to put the target in the right spot Mm -hmm. put the car into calibration mode and it goes so doing calibrations is not that difficult i think diagnosing why a car doesn't calibrate or even more important understanding what the car is trying to do in that process yeah um is you're going to want that background because as soon as it doesn't calibrate, his employee is dead in the water if he doesn't have that background. Right. So 
I think um, uh, I think the process would be to start with you know tooling wise. I think one fundamental package if 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 we have a uniform way to place targets and we have the coverage that works, we start there. Okay. You know, you're going to need you know factory tooling in in some scenarios. I mean, Nissan's got a security gateway module, and right now there's no good solution with an aftermarket tool to get around that. Okay. So we got to look at that, right? And what cars is that good on? You know, 2019 Sentra and obviously new Nissans. Right. And just those types of scenarios. And that's really where it takes the village, you know, of people to help you figure out, hey, what do I do on this car versus the other 90% that are working really easily. Right. And and you know what's really interesting about that? Because we talk about the shop owner network, Tom, right? We talk about having a network through ASOG and through our other resources, having that opportunity to talk and, and work back and forth and solve those problems. It, it, you know, I don't know if you watch any of the technical stuff, but there are groups and you jump in and George jumps in and, and Isaac jumps in and Keith jumps in and all these people are trying to help one another and gain understanding of what's happening. Man, that networking is super powerful. Right. You know, it's just like going to an event like this. I mean, you get in and you talk to some people and you really, A, you find somebody that you can call if you're in trouble, right? And I, I, I think of all the times I've ever cost myself a blooming fortune is the times that I knew I was in trouble and I kept trying to push for it instead of stopping and saying, I need some help with that. Absolutely. Um, David says, Nissans that need to be scanned uh, needs to go to the junkyard. <laughs> uh <laughs> He says he's. Uh, he said you ask, is it calibrated? And they say, yep. He said I've had to take turds to the dealership to get calibrated, and all they're saying is we're calibrating it. And yeah, documentation would be a little bit nicer to have, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, here's your receipt and it's calibrated. So one of the things I invite the independents, you mm-hmm. know, I go out to an independent. He's surrounded by dealerships. Of course, he knows a technician or two. Right. So I said, hey. Why don't you have a why don't you have a conversation with that technician? You, I just did a calibration for you. You saw how it's done. Now talk to them about how it gets done and have them walk you through the process. <clears throat> See if they actually have an understanding. Right. If they can't talk you through the process, are they really doing it? Yeah. Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. I'm not there, so I don't know. But you know, that's where I want to own my own repair. Yeah. Like. Yes. Yeah, well, do I want to be profitable? I don't want to be negligent. I at the end of the day I want to own the I want to own that repair. It's mine and and I right. if if somebody's insurance is paying for it, I know it's mine. We're not questioning. We're not, you know, if it was a screw up, at least I can say it was my screw up, you right. know? Exactly. That that's a that's a valid point. Um so I I think that's really important to to think about, especially if you're outsourcing, if you're subletting this. Tom, what are you doing right now? As far as that goes, are you are you subletting stuff out? Or are you just avoiding it altogether? Um, let me pull my head out of the sand real quick to answer that. Question. <laughs> I love the honesty though. Like, yeah. Oh, hey, listen, there is there is probably not a more honest shop owner in the world. I'm going to tell you that much. <laughs> so you know, it's um, yeah, no, we're we're doing nothing at this point. You know, I mean, if there's something that is coming in that's a problem, we're not touching it. You know, we are referring it out to. A dealer or somebody who can handle that, um, but you know, knowing that's going on, you know, we know it's time. We, I know it needs to be done. I just need to get my my team on board with that. So, what does that process look like for you? 
Well, I know you're going to bring him up, but then I need to walk have, us through it. So basically, I'm going to I'm going to go back and we're going to have a conversation. You know, uh, we'll uh, we'll have a conversation this week on some of the things that I've gone over this weekend and um, just discuss that with the team and discuss where we're going and uh, get there, get there, just do a temperature check, see where they're at with it. Is it still in the same uh, are they still in the same position that we were before? Are they more open to it at this point? Um, but at the same time, it's going to be letting them know this is happening. Yeah. This is something that we are going to do, and we're going to bring somebody in that's going to put get you in the know. Now, are you are you in a facility where you're going to have room to do that? Are you going to go down to the warehouse and do that? What's your? I feel we're going to have room. I do have a concern about interruptions of other other technicians due to the way our shop is laid out okay. but, um, are you thinking on the alignment rack or i was thinking about the alignment rack although uh, i heard uh, kip's comments about that yesterday because we do have a pit yeah so um you know and we are that's kind of close to the wall yeah so that almost puts us you know we have a one door one door at the end of the shop, pull in, turn left to go into the lifts, and then pull straight through to get to the alignment bay. So we have a, a big area, but we tie that up doing ADAS. Now we can't get cars on and off the lifts. So right. you know, it's uh, it's it's something I'm going to need some output outside input from yeah, you know, sure. from you when you come up, and uh, yeah, we'll just kind of get an idea and see where we need to go with it. You know, if I have to do something right. else, we have to. Um, but it'd be really cool to be able to make it work with what we got. Yeah, that would be really cool. You got yeah. a beautiful shot, man. Really Thank you. Do. And, uh, you know, the other part of the uh, this was I was talking to Kip yesterday about, you know, because uh, I think, you know, we've gone pretty much OE with all of our diagnostic tooling. Fantastic. And, um, right. you know, one of my questions was, do I invest into the OE ADAS tooling? Um, and it sounds like, uh, you know, the pretty hard answer that I got from Kip was that's not that's not a good good idea. If you're going to declare right. yourself a full ADAS shop. Right. The OE tooling's the best. If he said, hey, I just want a, the Volkswagen, Mercedes, BMW targets, I would recommend OE. But if you want to declare yourself an ADAS shop, I think the uniformity of the aftermarket systems is really attractive. So, you know, it's kind of... Two perspectives. You just stick with the. You're just going to stick with Europeans. I would. I would go OE equipment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So funny. Communicate that right. And well, that'll be a conversation to have with my team and mm-hmm. and uh, you know and that's that's a strategy to think about. Yeah, I find glass shops who take on ADAS for windshields, mm-hmm. they go out and get the rest of the package. Really? And they're doing all vehicles, which depending on the individual could be good or could be really scary, <laughs> right. but they, you know, they have the open spaces, right? You know, it's about target placement, but it's also about understanding what the car is trying to do. And that's where I think the scary part comes in. Yeah. Well, you know, so Eric Bach just said, use your showroom and, and, and I, uh, you know, it really is. And, and now, so I had this completely additional thought to what Eric said is, you know, you've got this beautiful space, this beautiful showroom, customer or client education on this right because they know their car is doing something different than it's ever been doing before mm-hmm. do we start bringing clients in and show them what's different about this do we how do we educate our clients 
about this system, about this process, and about why it's it's somewhat required now? How do we have that conversation with them? I think that's the mystery. It really is. You know, in my in my job, I go out and I work with guys like Tom, and I get them to a point of education. You know, and there's it takes a village. You got Rich Falco, you got you know yeah. Mike Reynolds, and all the people that are out there having a conversation support the business owners. Now the business owners, they know their customers best and they're going to, they're going to have to come up with a language that's simple enough, but it's also direct enough that this is not something you want to think about. You just do it. Yeah. You know, I think we need Samantha. Samantha needs to make a video. Yes. That's where it needs to start. Yes, I agree. Let's make her do that. <laughs> Didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, oh, it's perfect. Well, you know, I, I think that over the years, and, and it was so funny, my friend Justin Allen a while back, he said, um, hey, he said, you're uh, your service advisors. And I said, yeah. He said, they're telling clients they need their cars aligned. And I said, okay. He said, they need to explain that, make sure the tires are pointed in the right direction. And I was like, well, huh? He's like, people don't know, like they hear the term alignment, but it doesn't mean anything to no, them. No. You've got to go further. You've got to explain what this means. What are the consequences of not doing this? You know what I'm saying? Those are really important aspects of this. Yep. And and I think it is, I think it is so important when we look at, at educating the clients on items like this. Right. The A front counter staff have some knowledge, right? That we're training front counter staff, even in some cases, like we do training both ways in the shops. And so we'll have technical classes for the, the service advisors with the techs and we'll have management and sales and, and leadership training for the techs with the service advisors and myself. And I, that, that's been a huge asset for me. Um, and so one of the things that I have noticed with that is that now they feel confident when they're talking. Mm-hmm. They feel confident when they're explaining. Oh, Mr. Client, we just went through a class about this, and here's how this works. Mm-hmm. This is why that's important. Now, I don't believe in using fear to sell service, but I also know that if there's something that could lead to a potential safety concern with the client's vehicle, it's my responsibility as a professional to say, just like the cancer conversation, the doctor says, look, you need to get that looked at. You know, even if he doesn't right. do something about it, it's his responsibility to tell you about it. Right. Same thing in this, right? Is it okay to, when you're talking about brakes and say, listen, one of two things is going to stop you, either that brake pedal or the wall? Yeah, exactly. Right like that? Exactly. Or my technician's <laughs> toolbox. Yeah, there you go. Um, it, it happened. It happened. He bought a new toolbox, so that was great. Hmm. Ryan Jackals, man, I tell you. Um, <laughs> Pump the brakes when you're done, right? That's it. No, no. He... um we had a car that was in the shop and the client had worked on the brakes himself and he didn't put the brake hoses, brake lines, brake calipers, anything back on the car. And so Ryan pulled it down into the lot a couple of days before. And he said, dude, it stopped when I went down there, I pushed the brake pedal and it stopped. And I'm like, it might've stopped, but I don't think it had anything to do with you pushing the brake pedal because it doesn't even have a master cylinder on it. You know, like there's nothing there. <laughs> And so he pulls into the shop the next day and he comes rolling in the shop and he's just, I mean, like 
a day and a half after he bought a brand new toolbox and he comes into the shop and power in the toolbox. I've got it on video and him like holding his hands over his face like that. It was truly priceless. Um, luckily it was an old wore out car. It was junk, but, um, so, you know, I, I, I think that education of the client is going to be a real challenge in this. I, I think that we're, we're bringing a, a new technology in. Now, that being said, we've got a new client. Right. We really do. The drivers of today's automobiles are not the drivers that we had five or six years ago. And you know something else that I've been thinking a lot about on this that's going to change is we've seen a lot of this. We've seen a lot of techs buying their own tools because the shop won't properly tool up. Boys, that's not going to happen with this. No. I mean, it's going to be mighty tough if you think you're going to do that. And you don't want them doing that either. Because no. they're going to realize quickly that. There's a whole new business model for them out there. Yeah. So. Exactly. That makes them a very valuable technician. It makes them to where they can just go do their own, like you're talking about, just do calibrations. So, I mean, you know, this takes a lot of stuff off the table when it comes to things like that, especially when it comes to to treating and and equipping your technicians the right way. That Man, you're not going to be able to do this and expect your technicians to buy the tool to do it. It's a good thing though. technicians are listening right now to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, dude, I'm telling you all the time, if you listen to the podcast, you hear us say all the time, why do good technicians stay at bad shops and why do good shops keep bad technicians, right? I mean, I hate to, I hate to throw people under the bus, but I mean, let's be real about it. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that has an impact on our industry. And I think it has an impact on everybody else too, right? It has an impact on every industry, but I think we're plagued by that in a way that a lot of others are not. Um, and, and, you know, um, I can't remember who it was I was talking to. It may have been an ETI where, well, you know, OBD, I'm not going to do that. And then, you know, these oversized wheels and tires, I'm not going to do that. And TPMS, I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to do this. And I'm not going to do this. And now you drive around. And, I'm Tom, I've noticed up here there's a lot of shops that look like they're from the 1970s up here. There's very few shares, sales, and service on the on the corner up here. Right. And it, it's sad because you see them slowly becoming less and less relevant. Right. And you see the very few shops shining through that are equipped and capable of handing, handling this. So I guess the question for a shop owner is, is which do you want to be? Do you want to be the shop that continues to fade away? Is that what your hope is? To, to not have the money to pay the bills, to not have the equipment to properly fix the automobile? Kip, are we going to get to a point where we can't fix the car without calibration? How close are we to that? I haven't thought about it. Yeah, is there going to be something that's going to happen? Like going to force it? Yeah, yeah, like on the diesel side where they're cutting cutting the car down if you're not doing what you got to do with the DEF. I think we're a long way off from that, but I I could see it being a possibility. Right. I mean, it's a major safety thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I was talking to Donnie earlier and talking about access to automobiles. You know, those are all things that we have to think about moving forward. Um, technicians, owners alike, you know, we have to be thinking about where we're headed, not just where we're at right now, but what's coming down the road. Um, yesterday we had a a guest on and he said, we as an industry have been reactive for years. Let's be proactive. Mm-hmm. let's think ahead, let's prepare for what's coming, not the other way around. So, you know, that I think that's definitely a big thing. 
something that we're not really doing right now. Yep. You know, so any closing thoughts, anything you want to say? There's a, there's a big network out there. There's, there's resources, there's support. There's a lot of people that want to provide partnership. There's some of the best training programs. Like I know David friend does a really great eight ass program down to his neck of the woods. And, and you don't have to stick your head in the sand anymore. Right. You know, reach out, speak up social media, you know, that don't be those one of those shops. that's not adapting. Yeah. Um, and listen, it's not about, it's a little bit about liability, but as a business owner, it's about profitability. Yeah. And I agree. This is one of the most profitable segments in the automotive industry. Yeah. And it's not impossible. Exactly. So. I agree. 110%. Tom Shear, closing thoughts. You know, you've been at tools this weekend. Did you come last year? I did not. No, what, what do you think? What, what are your closing thoughts? You're, you're a powerhouse in our industry, and, and they care what you think. What do you think? I mean, honest honest reaction from both of you about the event. Uh, the event? I think the event uh, was great. You know, I believe we need some more – we need some more training options. Right. Uh, for, for everybody. Okay. Um, not not so generalized. You know, maybe some uh, focus on some Asian stuff, some European stuff. Obviously, I'm that's looking for idea. European, yeah, uh, because that's, that's what we feedback. focus on. Yeah, um, you know, it's uh, it was great. You know, some great uh, management stuff this weekend. You know, we got uh, Kevin Brian Walker did a great job on their marketing. Two programs up, two two courses up here. Right. So uh, I had to put that plug in for them because yeah, since oh, I they're left awesome their class people. <laughs> yeah, so, just to come to a podcast, just to come to a podcast, I know, right? But uh, no, it's uh, it's great. Uh, one thing I'd like to go back to on the ADAS, you know, so we talk about um, liability and everything else. What do you see as far as technicians half-assing the process? And is it possible? And what oh, it yeah, it's possible. Kip, Kip gives me a look. Yes, well, you can say whatever you want. You want curse words. You want whatever. Listen, we've got David usually. There's probably nothing you're going to be able to drop. No, no. No, no. Bottom. He definitely has to. He's on, he's on the top of the mountain. When it comes <laughs> to that, that's for sure. No, there, there's no room for that. There's no room for half-assing anything. And we do it. So if we give them some sort of green light to half-ass things, I mean, we give them, if we tell them you can't half-ass anything, they're, you know, that whole thing, strive for perfection, achieve excellence type thing. All right. Try to do it the right way. We're human. Something happens. Hopefully nothing happens from it. There's no such thing as half-assing. Right. And, and to be same. clear, that's, I, 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 you know, I want to stay away from that. I want to yeah. get away from that, you know, um, you know, but I'm, I'm looking at, you know, how much of that is actually happening. I hate to think about it and the number would probably be staggering right now. Yeah. And it's growing. It's, it's getting better, but I'm looking at what I can do to change that rather than look back at, you know, Hey, here's a, here's a need. What, what can I do about it? Who can I be about it? What, what is the biggest issue you're seeing right now? Not enough people at an event like this. Yeah. So in my closing remarks, this is a great venue. It really is. They really did. They tried to do a great job getting these back. You know, 
I, I participate heavily in the Super Saturday event. That didn't pan out this year. Um, and this wouldn't happen. And in the Northeast, we don't have ASTE up here. We don't have right. Vision up here or STX down in Florida. We need somewhere everywhere that people can get to. I agree. And I, you know, as much as I wasn't sure how I felt about the water park and family environment, but we can make this work. Yeah. So we were talking earlier about what more we can do. And hey, we go for it. We throw things at the wall. We see what sticks. Amen. And it goes how it goes. That's and that, it. And we just change and improve and add to. And there's going to be times we got to look back and say, no, we need to stop doing that and do something different. Yeah. Yeah. I agree 110%. I, I really think it was a great event. Yep. I think it's got tons of potential to be much bigger. Look and at I, the trainers. Brandon yeah. Steckler. Yeah, that's huge. David Hobbs. What, what right. more do you want? Exactly. And, and you know, here's the thing is, is Tom and I were talking about this earlier. Just right in the area right here. I mean, we, we must have gotten comments from, from 25, 30 shops that say, man, I'd have brought everybody. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know. And and they're just right here. You know, yeah. I think it's easy for, for events to look like they're in competition with one another. Oh. But you, you've got so much right here that you can that you can bring together and you can put these shops in this event, in this venue, and they're miles away. Right? And and like I said, I, I'm not talking bad about your shops up here, but drive down the street. I'm sure you did. That would, you know, Super Saturdays in my hometown, arguably. Yeah. And I have a long relationship with a lot of shops. And I almost look at myself like how – like I'm not having the conversation that needs to be had to get them there. It's like literally right down the street from ATC. Yeah. And I, I can't get them there. And I'm like, what do I need to say? What do I need to do to get them there? Um, and it's just – it's one of them things. I mean, we I think it's the same rhetoric after every show. You yeah, know, Vision's a big boy. STX is big boy. ASTE's really did an outstanding job this year, and we can we can bring some of that up here. Yeah. I think I agree, and and you know I think um, you know we had Adam Rath on the show, we've had Tom on the show, and they're local. I think it starts with them. I think it starts with the board. I think it starts with the shop owner going out and telling the other shop owners, "You need to be here. This is exciting. This is big." There's a better way to do things, and maybe that's not the way to say it, but but show them there's a better way. We care. We want something better for you than what you have right now. And, and you know, the, the term always comes up in almost every single episode. We've been subsidizing the repairs on client vehicles with the money that was supposed to feed our families and care for our children and do, do the things that protect us as human beings. We've been subsidizing for our clients for so long that it's tough to take that money and go do something like this. Now, the minute that you realize that one little bit of knowledge that, that helps you understand that you're doing that, takes you out of that position and gets you to an event like this, right? Change your life. Yeah. They don't, they don't really know what it feels like to walk out of an event like this and be pumped about going yeah. to work about what, yeah. I mean, the people who go to these events know, but if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. You know, I want my days to be easier. I want when I look at a car and I have a conversation to a, with a customer about a piece of equipment, I want to know what I'm talking about. I want it to be easy. I don't want to give them a whole bunch of I don't knows. I yeah. mean, I got plenty of I don't knows in my back pocket, but the more I can work yeah. through, my day goes easier. And I'm sure it's that way with repairing vehicles. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And it, it's that way with running a shop. It's that way with being a dad. It's that way with being a mom, right? There's definitely no manual for those. I know, right? You figure that one out. Well, fellas, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Kip, I have put your information in the comments so they can contact you. Yeah. Do you, what areas do you serve? You serve everywhere. You, I'll, I, I'm, I'm accountable for anywhere in the U.S. So I got okay. a 550 cams I'd love to work with on a regular basis. Uh, kind of hard to do. Yeah. But uh, again, just, I'm going to play big and I'll help as many people as I can. But wherever you are in the U.S., you can reach out to me if you want to reach out to your local advanced auto parts commercial account manager. Um, drop my name. They know how to find me. That's and it. We'll get you the information you need to make the decision you need to make for yourself. I'm, I'm pretty lucky. I've got a pretty awesome cam and, and pretty awesome regional people in my area. They do you a do. really good job of taking <laughs> care do. of me. Leslie White, that was all about you being an awesome human being. Just saying. So you know. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having thank me. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. If you'd like to catch these episodes early, you can do so by becoming a patron. Just go to asog.site and click on the Become a Patron Now button. Becoming a patron helps support the show, gets you several perks, and is tax deductible. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and on YouTube so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot me an email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy to use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to getshopware.com and see what I mean today. That's getshopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.